so mate, this, uh, this looks a lot like Belfast. Ah, oh, good eye on you mate, because we are in Belfast and we're on the cobbles in Belfast, which can only mean one thing. Which is? We are in the cathedral quarter. Right. And we're gonna go drinking. I have an inkling where that might be. Yeah. Is it the Duke of York? It is the Duke of York, and it's just round here. We've spent some fantastic nights here. Bang. Boom, once you see the umbrellas, it's just happiness. Yeah, happiness and joy, my friend. You're right. Well, on we go. Yeah. Point? I wouldn't mind one, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode 5 of Poor Decisions. My name is Ronan Collins, or Whiskey for Breakfast. And my name is Michael Cowman, or The Cowman Show. And today we are filming from Belfast, so my home turf. Yeah, so. it's good to uh, be on your turf for once. Like, you know, you can, you can field all these historical questions and tell me all about Belfast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we're in a great pub in Belfast as well that we both have spent quite a lot of our time in. Yeah, I think... Most of the time when I come to Belfast, this is probably the first port of call, I would say. Mm. Uh, and we'll get into the reasons why. But I think if anyone's watching, you can see the amount of stuff around us is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's an absolutely stunning venue. Um, and, you know, it's kind of is, like you said, that wee epicenter of Belfast, uh, like, drinking. Yeah. So what we is had it? to the, start here. The commercial... The commercial, commercial court. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The most photographed street in Northern Ireland. Okay. Uh, uh, that, it's that, that sign outside uh, outside with the, the rain thing. And the umbrellas. Yeah. 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 I think uh, out there and the dark hedges Which are is like the, the Game of Thrones. Okay. Because Game of Thrones was filmed up here. Of course. Uh, as was other billion dollar movie enterprises. Because Northern Ireland has like a whole... Ecosystem of filming and TV whatnot? and film, yeah. Is it's it loads. just tax breaks? Yeah, I think it okay. is a tax huge breaks. tax break, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think when we're in Belfast, mm -hmm. everybody knows the history. Very complicated city. But we're going to focus on the positive today. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's a plethora of stuff on uh, the past. But yeah, there's so many positive things that are coming out. Uh, like the food and drink scene is a huge part of it. Um, I do wee tours around Belfast as well on he some of those. He is available. Uh, <laughs> just drop into the DMs. Exactly, slide in. Um, but it's like quite exciting that there's so much going on. Um, but like as a history, or, uh, yeah, sorry, as a city, they have had a history of like loads of fun stuff. Do you want to hear a few fun facts? Let's hit me with them. Uh, Dunlop tires. Oh yeah, so like rubber tires. Rubber tires invented here. Okay, very good. Uh, the defibrillator. Right, always useful. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, the the transport, the what do you call it when it's on its own? Uh, defibrillator, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one. That was invented here. Uh, oh, we have a seahorse on our flag. Right to represent the kind of sea going history of yeah, Belfast. The marine maritime, I think, is the word. Maritime. You, yeah, I was going to say the wrong word. Uh, yeah. So our like maritime history. Obviously, we've got the docks and the port. Titanic famously was built here, which is kind of one of the biggest things about Belfast. You know, you see always like well, not always, but you would think it's almost always. But uh, the two yellow cranes. So uh, do you know their names? No. So obviously they're huge, but uh, it's called uh, Samson and Goliath. All oh, right, very biblical. Yeah, yeah. Samson, I think, is slightly bigger. Right. Um, or Goliath is one or the other, 50%. I, I'd wager Goliath is the bigger one. Let's go with Goliath. Uh, and they built the Titanic. We've obviously got the Titanic Museum. So like we're, we're very centric around uh, Titanic. Uh, we have loads of American tour boats come in. So there's so much tourism going on in Belfast at the minute, and a lot of it's around Titanic, which is grand. Yeah. George Best, greatest footballer of all time, is from Belfast. I okay. Uh, Why? Who's better? Well, I I think a lot of people would argue that the likes of a Messi or Ronaldo is probably. Oh, lad! You can't. I, no way. That's to be like, fair, George Best was definitely better crack. <laughs> I, d I don't think there's any argument Can't there. argue that Can't one. argue no. with that. But yeah, so there's loads goes on here. Um, what else? There's loads. L literary history. Anybody, yeah. any famous writers? Yeah, well, C.S. Lewis, I suppose. Uh, wrote Land, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Narnia. <laughs> Go on, just say it. No, no, I could, see, I could see how somebody from Belfast would write a book about 
you know, going into a wardrobe and disappearing into another <laughs> world. Yeah, and um, you know, we love C.S. Lewis. <laughs> uh, the wardrobe when you do when you actually say it like that, he goes into the wardrobe and disappears. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting concept. It's, it's an interesting concept. Um, but yeah, um, a couple of micro breweries in Belfast. Uh, there's now like coffee roasters. Michelin star restaurants. We have three of those. Okay, that that seems like quite a lot for a small. Yeah, yeah, because it is a relatively city. like the city center is actually quite tight. Yeah, like the uh, the peripherals like do go wide, but uh, as the city center goes, yeah, it's pretty tight. Um, we have a re- we have a really good sourdough Detroit style pizza. Place. So this this one I've seen on like everybody's TikTok. Yeah, uh, it's out what like East Belfast. There seems to be queues every afternoon to get into it it only opens like i don't know yeah. four hours and sells out yeah well that's it and even you and i like, had a meeting up there one day and i was like oh let's go to flight oh wait no it's sold out yeah um but yeah so like i think even like down south people are actually traveling from genuinely anything i saw online was guys on instagram or tiktok being like cool so we're just going to belfast for some pizza uh yeah. and i am very intrigued now because uh is it i mean is it that good uh, I've always enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I've been a couple of times. You know, there's there's quite a lot of, on offer, so we will go sometime. Okay. Okay. That's that's really nice. Yeah. I look um, forward to it. But yeah, and then in, even in the drink scene in Belfast, it is expanding. Uh, we're obviously kind of in the epicenter in the cathedral quarter, uh, and it's kind of like now spread. There's even a couple of natural wine bars in Belfast. Oh, nice. More cocktail bars. Um, we've got a couple of like shipping container areas. Uh, so I think it's really like putting its strongest foot forward in food and drink and coffee shops. We obviously love our independent coffee shops. And I mean, the one, there's a couple of distilleries now as well. There is, yeah, in the city center. So we've got Titanic, uh, which, fun fact, is actually in the North Down area of Belfast. So right. that's another one for County Down. You know. Titanic whiskey, where everything is served on the rocks. Very good. Uh, and then coming soon, we have McConnell's, yeah. which will be in the old jail, the Crumlin Road jail. Very cool. Um, so I think that's opening this end of this year. Okay, very nice. The stills are in, which is quite exciting. So it'll be brilliant to have distilling back in the heart of, or distilling whiskey back in the heart of Belfast. Because it was a huge distilling city. Yeah, yeah massive. I mean, the, the brand Dunville's, for example, was that was Belfast, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Obviously now it's a little bit out the road. It's, it's out in the... Eckleville. Yeah. Um, but um, that was, historically, one of the biggest brands in the world. Yeah, it? it and uh, you had Con's Water Distillery as well, which was massive, again, city centre. Uh, well, just outside the city centre. But, um, yeah, loads of distilling history in Belfast. And I think at one point, Belfast was exporting more whiskey than the rest of Ireland. Yeah. But that's, you know, we haven't written down those facts, so let's just... I mean, it is okay. it is difficult as well to sometimes find the history of these things as well because we essentially just closed everything, went, ah, oh, nobody's really going to care, and it can be actually quite difficult to get solid statistics and facts about what has gone on in their history. Yeah, exactly. Outside of, like, almost the tax records. So we're like, okay, the tax man was owed that and that on these dates, but that's just stock. We don't actually know what had happened to the rest of it. But, yeah, so there's loads going on in Belfast, so it's great to be able to fill them up here. Yeah. And you know, give a shout out to this epic pub. Yeah, and I, speaking of epic pubs, we should probably have a little chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so do you want to tell everyone, if they haven't guessed it already, where we are today? Yeah, so we are in the Duke of York, in Belfast, mm-hmm. in the commercial quarter? Um, commercial court. Well, yeah, so it, this the street there is called commercial court, but this is the cathedral quarter. Okay, very good. Um... Oh, yes. Uh, one's called the Half Bap area of Belfast. Right, and go on. <laughs> go on. I know you want to. Uh, because it was called the Half Bap area for about 100 years because there was a roundabout, like, but it was like shaped like a mound that looked like the top of a Half Bap. Um, and like a Belfast Bap is a big thing? Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you asked. Okay. Uh, yeah, so the Belfast Bap is, it's like a big flowery Bap, uh, kind of, Burnt and toasted on top. Right. Um, and, like, we love them. Like, you go to St. George's Market, which is a great market in Belfast, and you can get Belfast Bap in many different formats and fillings. Um, and it was invented in this uh, area once upon a time. And 
it's funny, right? In Ireland, we have, there's two, obviously Belfast Bap is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the Blah from Waterford? I think I've heard of, maybe I'm mixing up with the Fla. Yeah, you might be. But again, <laughs> it's just a flurry bap from Waterford that has a European geographical indicator in the same way Champagne does. So we obviously, we're obviously madly passionate about baps in this country. We, I reckon we are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a Barney Hughes, just in case that's a pub quiz question for you, Barney Hughes invented the Belfast bap. You'll never need to know that. I reckon you will someday. You're welcome in the future. Um, but yeah, the pub here is... I guess it probably is the most iconic pub in Belfast, or certainly among them anyway. Yeah, I reckon the Duke, the Duke of York, like we call it the Duke, you know, the locals, uh, is probably the most iconic. I would, again, obviously I'm biased, but I would say in Ireland it's definitely one of the most known. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of the, the whiskey scene and a lot of the tastings would tend to take place here. Mm-hmm. Again, just when you look around and for anybody not watching a video, the amount of whiskey mirrors and stuff here is... Insane. It's it's actually hard to believe until and, you see and memorabilia in general. And yeah, so. like on the ceiling. So I, I haven't even walls. looked up yet. It is absolutely mental. Um, and it's all like the original yeah. stuff. And and I'm sure if we had to come in here like 15, 20 years ago, we would have looked around and be like, oh, Dunville's, uh, Kirker and Greer, McConnell's. Like, look at all these like cool brands that don't exist anymore. But they're actually back now. Yeah, loads of them actually exist again, which is quite cool. Yeah. Um, but it is very nice to be able to call back and see, oh, look, there's the history of it and that it still exists. But I think, like we've mentioned before, some of that history is very difficult to nail down and pin down. So it is cool to have the actual physical things to, to point back to. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And um, even just kind of like, it, it is like walking around a museum in here. But the proprietor, uh, Willie Jack, very famous uh, pub owner in Belfast. He also owns the Deer's Head, the Harp Bar, the Friend at Hand uh, off-license, which only sells Irish whiskey, and it doesn't do e-commerce, so you actually have to just go there to buy it. Uh, but he now, at the back of the Friend at Hand, has an Irish whiskey museum because he's got so much stuff. And we've, we've been, it is, it is ridiculous, it's some of the old next brands. Level, the, yeah. the, generally, the bottles don't exist anywhere else yeah. in the world. I think uh, one of my favorite is the Bailey's whiskey. Yeah. Bailey's Irish whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's just so much. So, yeah, I think we had to start here uh, for doing the North. I think it's a, an amazing bar, and we're drinking their own um, beer. Yeah, so it's a, it's a lovely lager. Uh, yeah. Citrusy, hoppy, all the things you want, 4.2%. The beer from God knows where. Yeah, I love that. It says that. Um, and then, so this is it's called a half bat pour. Uh, it's for the Harp, Duke of York, and... Um, the Dark Horse, which are all those bars. And then on it, it has, um, what do you call that song again? I'll tell me mouth when I yeah. go home. The boys won't leave the girls alone. She pulled my hair and stole my throne. And that's all right till I go home. She is handsome. She no, is pretty. She is the belle of Belfast City. Well, that all makes sense now, doesn't it? Because it's called Belfast Bell. Yeah, exactly. So see, see it's nice and circuitous, isn't it, really? Uh, well, anyway, Slauncha. Cheers. Um, mm, it's nice delicious. Job. Yeah, it is. Nice and crisp. So one of the fun facts I saw about this place was uh, the one and only Mr. Jerry Adams used to work for a little while. Uh, yeah, I've actually read that myself, yeah. And apparently he does have that one in his CV. <laughs> uh, yeah, mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it, again, it's just a kind of a testament to this place is very much a, an institution. It's a part of Belfast history. Yeah, well, there has always been, well, for, the past, for about 200 years, there's always been uh, like an inn or a tavern here. Mm. Uh, it got called the Duke of York in 1917. Okay. So that's actually quite a long time. It's still been called the Duke of York. Yeah, and I mean, the only thing I know about the Duke of York is that he had 10,000 men. Yeah, he loved marching. Actually, very, makes sense. Yeah, very popular in <laughs> Belfast. It's a, it's a popular pastime. I think in the current, in its current guise, mm-hmm. it is a... It is very much a whiskey bar yeah, yeah. in the traditional sense of when we talk about whiskey bars. It has a savage selection of whiskey, has a good few things, has a few things on tap. I mean, no cocktails in here. Uh, I don't know. I did actually see a bottle of Angostura bitters. Right. I, have, I don't know if that's because a local just drinks them straight <laughs> or, but uh, you get a gin and tonic. Yeah, because for I, sure. Because they don't do food. No food. Yeah, because we looked it up online. It's at all. Fish and chips and yeah. all that. 
I've never I've never seen anyone eating in here anytime I've been here. No, like I seen someone maybe eating on a lemon or something because they were just <laughs> they didn't want to lose their seats. Yeah. Uh, but you get live music and then there's upstairs and then there's the wee corner bar upstairs as well, which is pretty cool. We have spent a night there. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the proprietor here, Willie Jack, is someone who's done quite a lot for the for the pub industry in, in Belfast. Like he owns all, all those pubs and it kind of has helped to revitalize them in the last in the last number of years. Oh, like without a doubt. And um, I've been lucky enough to chat to Willie Jack a few times and like his whole like mantra is pretty much just pulling the motto from the Belfast flag. Essentially, we've been given so much, so what will we leave in return? Yeah. And he has built the Cathedral Quarter um, as we know it now. With that in mind, he was like, what can we like leave that's better than what he, we were He very given? much embodies the whole spirit of the city, I guess. Yeah, okay. 100%. And like, um, like supporting as much local uh, uh, enterprise as possible. Um, giving, giving young bucks their start, like allowing us in today. But also, Snow Patrol... Right. Maybe yeah. maybe you heard of them. Uh, uh, had their first ever gig as Snow Patrol in here. Where? where in the, like, because obviously there's the downstairs here. Yeah. And up in the little tiny bit upstairs? Uh, no, on the stage were actually all the camera crew and or, all yeah. the lighting is sitting right now. That was the stage the Snow Patrol played. And it's not gig. a large stage. It's not. Yeah, but I guess if it's their first gig, yeah, they they're weren't probably... exactly going to be pulling in a huge yeah. crowd. Uh, but just it's just another uh, massive musical landmark for Belfast because another fun fact, another first in music, uh, Led Zeppelin played Stairway to Heaven for the first time in Belfast. Not in here, not in the Duke York, okay, but yeah. in Belfast. But it's just a nice wee link, you know. And it just it, it went on for about 17 minutes and everyone was <laughs> like, what is actually going on here? Yeah, uh, like this is crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, as, as bars go, this is definitely up there. Uh, whiskey bar, there's, there'll be live music. It now spills out onto the street on commercial court. This place is just absolutely rammed. Um, there'll usually be a few people waiting to get in when it opens. I think it opens around half 11, 12 okay. in the day. Um, big, big spot for tourists, I guess. Well, again, huge. with the amount of memorabilia on the wall, it is the kind of place that people like to take photos in. Oh, like without a doubt. Um, but there's actually a couple of nicknames that oh, this place, over yeah. the years. Uh, now I had never heard, I had never, I wouldn't have used these in my own conversation. But um, uh, and bear with me with this one. So one of them's called the glue pot. Do go on, <laughs> because you come in for one and you get stuck. <laughs> that's that's very good. I like that one as well. Uh, then the other one is uh, the wit or the widow. Yeah. Okay. The widow, because uh, wives would lose their husbands in here for hours. <laughs> Obviously, just looking at the memorabilia. You know, Obviously. Just, just taking in the sites that are, that are around here. Yeah, and there is so much uh, to look at. I mean, it, I guess it's probably, and it is, it is a good place for celebrity spotting in Belfast as well, isn't it? You know, they tend to frequent this, this bar. Yeah, well, like you and I are in here all, all the, the time. time. All the time. But yeah, there's, I think there's tons that people just tend to do around the Duke of York. You'll always see people taking photos. It's always great to take photos. Did you tell me it was the outside? So we mentioned briefly is the most photographed thing in the North of Ireland. Yeah. So I think commercial court it and the dark hedges are up there with the most photographed. Okay. Um, it's got those beautiful um, colored uh, rain thing. What do you call it? An umbrella. <laughs> An umbrella. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, well, yeah, what does it say? Uh, we have rain every day of the week that begins with or that ends in Y. Okay, yeah. Um, and I mean, that is that is reasonably true of most places in Ireland, to be fair. Yeah, I think it says that. I actually maybe... But the, li the little bit further north of Belfast, it, probably make, it does make it a little it bit... It rains better. a lot. Yeah. yeah. But I think here, our commercial court and the dark ages are up there with the two most photographed in the north. Um, and every now and again, you'll come past and you'll see like wedding parties out there. You know, I think it is a stunning place to get wedding photos done. Yeah, so I mean, on your, on your dip from the... The church to to whatever the reception people pop, people pop into the street and take yeah. photos. Yeah, because it is it is called the cathedral quarter. Like Saint Anne's Cathedral is just there. So if you are getting married there, well, or anywhere I suppose, but just there, you just walk over here. Stunning. Plus, like who doesn't love a good pub photo on their wedding? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It does strike me as a very Irish thing to do. It does. Yeah, classic car driving down Commercial Court. Get out, paint a stout. Um, oh, I love a good wedding though. Love a good wedding. Love a good wedding. We are in our early 30s, right? 
and I feel like we are in the throes of, we are surrounded by love. You know, there's just so much love in our lives at the moment. There is a never-ending stream of weddings and stags, and we've covered the stag part. So maybe let's look at the wedding part, mm. and specifically, if you want to be the ideal wedding guest, because this is the only view that either of us have. It's it's a, as a guest rather than anything else. Yeah. Let's have a look at the things, uh, how... how you would perform or what you might expect at an Irish wedding. Yeah, no, absolutely. And how to be the, the ideal wedding guest. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose it all starts, does it start when you get, like, choosing your plus one is important. Choosing your plus one is important. And you know what? Uh, the venue is funny because some people will have their wedding abroad. And uh, oh, a, a mate of mine said to me, he goes, look, I'm just going to have the wedding abroad. And I'm gonna not going to invite people till about four weeks beforehand, so nobody can come, so it'll just save me loads of money. Smart. And I was like, oh, that's smart. Um, but yeah, it's whether you get the plus one or not. Yeah, and then who do you take? Well, um, I, I mean, I, I, I know who I'm taking. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, I tend not to take a plus one. Yeah. I've taken a couple of plus ones. All have been great. Um, but I think a plus one is an important one for a wedding, because if you... If you're not in a like long-term relationship or you're married, if you bring a rogue plus one and they're either no crack or too much crack. <laughs> Which is always a danger, yeah. Uh, you know, you get highlighted as a guest for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and the plus one in Ireland is a little bit different to other countries because I think in the States, for example, if you talk to people who go to weddings in the States, everybody gets a plus one. It's like, oh yeah, and it's a big thing around who are you going to bring to the wedding? You know, have you got a plus one? Whereas in Ireland, it's like, you don't have a plus one, yeah, grand, because they cost too much money. Yeah, or, you know, so the the bride and groom aren't necessarily going to give you one just just for the crack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and a lot of times, yeah, I suppose I've been given plus ones and just just said no, it's grand. I'll be okay. I'm enough crack. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so a good plus one is is I think the first step uh, in a good wedding etiquette. So let's let's look at it right. So let's break it down into the timeline. So. Say the wedding is, it's not necessarily in your local town. It's, you have to go away, you have to travel, you have to go stay in a hotel, right? So mm -hmm. if you're a member of, I suppose, the closer uh, closer to the groom, closer to the bride, you know, part of the family, you're probably there the night before. Yeah, yeah. And you're there, like, so the, yeah, extended close family are there. But then all those rogue people who, well, not necessarily rogue, but like those people who have to come from like Australia and America and... You know, Lorne, <laughs> all have to travel in. Yeah. And they're usually there as well. And that's when it can actually be a bit of crack. Well, it can be a bit of crack. It can also be massively dangerous for the, the following day because there's always a few points, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and if you're the one that keeps the, the groom up till, uh, till 4 a.m. the night before his wedding, you're going to hear about it. Oh, like you're, you're getting... For the rest aside. of your life. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when you did this at... Hall's wedding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. Oh, you were desperate that night. And you shaved his head uh, the day before <laughs> the wedding. But, like, people do that. People do go rogue. Yeah, but... The evening before, they just get so happy and hot on the drinking. And people people are just full of adrenaline and excited, yeah. I think, and they just go off a little bit too hot. Yeah, I have a couple of, like, evening before rules. Like, you have a couple of pints, enough just to kind of, you know, integrate, shake hands, meet... You know, the family that yeah. maybe you don't know, um, you know. Because you're, meet, you're meeting the parents, you're meeting the older members of the family, perhaps, you know, the extended family. So, best behavior. Yeah, take selfies with the fans, yeah. you know, the crack. Um, never sing song before or the evening of the wedding. Just because it kind of, I think that there kicks, starts to... Kicks it on too much. Too much crack. Yeah. Um, go to bed for midnight. Happy days. Everyone's happy. You always hear about those people who went too hard. Oh, yeah. You can see them. Yeah. You, you literally see them in the church the next day. You're like, oh, big one. Sunglasses yeah. on. I was like, why? You weren't, you're not a rock star. Take them off. <laughs> um, and then, so, morning of the wedding, uh -huh. right? So, morning of the wedding, say, you have to, you have to go to the church. In general now, um, I think it's, it's, well, to be fair, of the ones I've been to recently, it's been a 50-50 split between kind of a, a humanist, humanist spiritualist ceremony mm -hmm. and the kind of more traditional uh tend to be Roman Catholic weddings that I, I, I tend to go to. Um, so, you know, slightly different dynamics because the good thing about the humanist ones is generally you just travel to one venue. You're there. You know, the, the ceremony and the whole thing is in one venue. Yeah. Whereas with, with the, uh, the church wedding, 
you go into the church, right? So, and in general, what I found is, especially travel, traveling to a rural area, you turn up about 45 minutes beforehand because you don't know where the church is. And you're like, oh, well, you know, Google Maps says an hour and a half. And your ma, our mum or dad are always like, oh, don't be trusting that now. Those roads can be rough. If you get stuck behind a tractor, you can't be walking into the church late. And you're like, oh, it's just easier just to go early. Yeah, and you're there 45 minutes beforehand. I remember being at a particular wedding. And 45, genuinely 45 minutes before. Take your blazer off in the car. Don't get that creased now. Oh, don't get that creased. Don't get that creased. Um, 45 minutes beforehand, you land in. You're like, right, no one's here. And I was like, right, there's a, you know, there's a pub over here. You like, always find that pub as yeah. well. Like, uh, it wasn't there when you drove in. You didn't just notice it. And then it just, just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And obviously, this is if you don't have to drive afterwards. Yeah. Um, and you go into the pub. There's everybody. Everybody. Because they've all had the same idea. They're like, oh, we got here early. There's always someone who's still trying to do their tie. One of the cousins doesn't know how to do his tie. The amount of people that don't know how to do a tie. It's slightly infuriating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is slightly annoying. It's just like, just pull it up just for a few hours. Just have it up, up yeah. here. You know, if you don't know, Do your top ask. button. All right. If you have to get one that's made of elastic, just get it. Just, it, it'll genuinely look better. Yeah, it's not about you. It's, mm, yeah, which is a thing we struggle with at weddings. Oh, it is, yeah, but... Uh, so before the ceremony, what's yeah. what's the etiquette? Uh, well, so we're in that we're in that we uh, pub. There's always a pub somewhere to drink before the wedding. Uh, I think max two pints. Right. This and a, is and, and a shot of tequila. <laughs> so so I I won't go against that shot of tequila, but but that's not a thing in Ireland to do shots of tequila. No, it's right? not to be fair. So we are then going to be always known as there's the two lads who had tequila before the ceremony. Now, that won't do us any harm, but it'll shake other people. It'll be like, geez, I can't believe you're still standing. You were drinking tequila at 12 o'clock. Yeah, whatever it happens to be. Um, but I think that there's okay. Like, a wee shot before, but I think two pints in a shot. Trying to squeeze in that third one and just gulping it down before you go in. Because you're going to have to sit for the next hour. Have you ever Have you ever seen lads coming in after the bride? Not not the groom, but I've I've seen the bride walk up the aisle and lads kind of sneaking in the back. Oh, and you, yeah, you yeah. know they were down in the pub having a, a few swifties, yeah. like. And they're just always pushing it back. And I think for the sake of it, again, it's not your day. It's it's essentially about the bride. Yeah. And the groom sometimes it's like <laughs> it's like just be there on time. Yeah. Like and if you if you went to the pub, just get there. Like don't be like oh we can get another one. I think it, when you say before the wedding we could probably squeeze in another one, you probably can't. It's a long old day pace yourself yeah and then during the church don't drink don't bring a hip flask don't do any of that don't be that person yeah i'm not even that rogue like usually i would bring a hip flask to a great many different yeah. uh, events and venues uh, but i don't think i'd be sitting there in the church like look the only one drinking in the church should be the priest yeah exactly that he brings wine he brings his own wine leave him alone leave him alone <laughs> so ceremony cool yeah but these things can be long it can be in about yeah. an hour now yeah um and it depends like the cool thing about the humanist or spiritualist ones, you don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to tie each other up with ropes? Are they, you know, is there going to be a few candles burned? And it is a surprise every time. I went one to, to one that was, uh, they like pour sand in together. It's no like, a, yeah, it's like a nice thing. But I tend to find them quite nice. Yeah, yeah, As in, right. there's a, there is a really nice thing to it. Like you, you, you said you've done a few readings and whatnot. Yeah, done a few readings. Yeah, I suppose half of the weddings I've probably been to, like in my later years, have, all been from like like my London friends so yeah. they haven't necessarily been um, like in the Irish sphere but there's always been like an Irish twist to them and like yeah seeing those like humanist areas uh, I think have been brilliant I love doing a good uh, good reading yeah, I, did uh, a, I did a Bob Marley reading once uh, yeah yeah it was cool it was like uh, my sister no sorry it wasn't Bob Marley I did uh, Albert Einstein and then the person after me did Bob Marley yeah. right yeah it was just it was just very good why not it's yeah. like and the next reading is uh, from the Corinthians uh, episode, not episode, <laughs> <laughs> series three. Series three. three of the Corinthians. Uh, yeah, love is well patient, like, love yeah. is kind. Yeah. Um, love, love. Love, love. Um, and then, okay, so we move on. We get to the venue. So if you, you obviously haven't been drinking if you're driving. Mm -hmm. um, if you get there, get to the venue, you have to drive to the venue. Sometimes it could be a little bit of a distance away. Oh, uh, yeah, we love. So what you'll have is you'll have a little bit of a split here at this point because you'll have bride and groom go off to get their photos done uh wherever yeah, wherever yeah and so you have a bit of downtime before they get to the venue mm -hmm. so there's a split between people who stay where they are and go back to that pub that they're already in yeah or the people who want to get to the venue i i would say those who go back to that pub bad decision 
A yeah. poor decision, in fact. Poor decision, yeah. See what we did there? Uh, yeah, that's not a good one. Just get to the venue. Get to the venue. And then, you know, even my mom loves saying that. It's like, well, just get there. Then we can relax, you know, because there's always teas and coffees and stuff. But Pints. just get to the reception, especially if you have to drive. Usually an hour. It, yeah, genuinely. Everything is narrow away. Uh, <laughs> everything is narrow away. But so you get there. And then you start sinking points, right? So Yeah, well, you're like, oh, class. Now that it's started, you drop your bags if you have to check in or whatever. But yeah, pints. And this is when lads start getting excited and start losing the run of themselves a small bit. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it can start to run away at this point. This is when the runaway train people are to- like, like, even these sesh heads, they're looking at their watches and they're like, Jesus, the food isn't for at least two hours now. Two hours is actually just a blink of an eye in a whole day of a wedding. But they're like... Shut ages. I could at least do 44 pints yeah, in that time. In about two. I could do 45 pints in about two hours. <laughs> and a pack of the crips. And a pack of the crips. Um, and then you go in, right? So you, ha- you have the pints, you're in the bar beforehand. Someone comes out, rings a bell. Yeah. And you go in and you sit in the dining room. Well, you check your table. Oh, you, you check your table. Yeah, that's, right. that's a, a very important part of it. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Because I know uh, people go rogue. And again, nothing against how people name or number their tables but like sometimes it'll be like a cocktail or a city that they were uh, they met or cities that they've traveled to or you know um their favorite alcohol and or i just like the numbers like i i don't know it's like like let's say you just go, you go up and you're like oh michael you're sitting at rock of gibraltar you obviously know. named after the horse yeah they, they love horse racing yeah. they love horse racing <laughs> Uh, I think that's actually a quite a cool name, Rocket Gibraltar. Um, I'd be okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with names. I I'm like, not. No, I like I'm not against individualizing their thing. No, I'm not against it. I'm just like, I don't know if I wanted to sit at X. I'm not going to name the brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, there, I've been to ones where the, it's named after different which brands. I quite like that. But I did feel, you know, you do feel if you're sitting at one table versus another, you're kind of like, oh, I'm yeah. sitting at this brand. Okay. Yeah, exactly. At my wet, nah, I can't. But, okay, so that's, you grand, you go to the table. Mm. This is one of the biggest deciders about how your night is going to go, I think, is depending on the table you're at. So, like, there's always a single lad's table that is just getting raucous in the corner, getting out of control. Who are in their own wee ecosystem of fun, and they almost cannot see the peripheral damage that they're doing as it just keeps, they keep rising. And each table either gets absorbed into their crack or is, like, yeah, they, they can overshoot the level. They overshoot the general level. You know, and I think that table, for a wedding and for wedding etiquette, that table's too much. You don't want to be on that table. It's great crack when you're on that table. Maybe if you're, like, a plus one at a far removed, okay. and you're just like, who cares about this wedding? But then again, that's making the day about you. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about you. So you're at that table, right? So this yeah. is uh, when we're talking about perfect et- etiquette and how, yeah. how it should go down. So I suppose you don't, yeah, maybe not that table. Though, not right? that table, but like a decent table. You look around, you kind of, uh, I was at a wedding recently and uh, one of the guests at the table did a great thing. He was like, right, before we start, before the wedding starts, let's go around and each of you say your name, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Were you, were you starting a new job or something, were you? Well, do you know what? I, at the start, I kind of rolled my eyes like, oh. But it actually worked really well because the fun fact was quite a good uh, way. I'm not going to go into them because everyone went so left field. Right. Which was quite fun. Yeah, yeah of course. Because it like opened up the table straight away. And you're like, well, you didn't look like that kind of person. And just, sh- you know, you shouldn't uh, judge a book by its cover, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was brilliant. Um, and that there set the tone instantly. So there was no, oh, well, they're sitting over there. I can't talk to them. And obviously then... Like, once you've established the good crack of the table... And the good relationship, the rapport. Yeah, because I've been to a wedding... Or a couple of weddings ago, uh, I kind of, you know, sat down. I was at the wedding on my own, which was absolutely fine. And, like, I tried to establish where the table was at. The table was at fucking shit crack. <laughs> so they were at a... One of those ones was like, sure, I'll call you Uber now, will I? Uh, they were at a two, you were at a six. I'm at a 10, man. I don't even know why you're... No, you were just ramping up. But you don't You don't want to be at a 10. Oh, no, no. But Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, I. oh, yeah. I was just like, oh. I just knew it straight away. I was actually so annoyed the yeah, second and it I can, it, it can absolutely affect your night. And so, I mean, we we talked about before the games are the kind of, I suppose, games, the gambling that goes on. I mean, it's it's like Vegas <laughs> at, a, at an Irish wedding. It's like there's just money and cash everywhere. And so it's it's 
how long are the speeches going to be? Yeah. Uh, every time someone says thank you, you have to pass a glass with it full of fibers around. Yeah. Um, and then crying. Cry, cry. You see, crying isn't one of the ones I, I've bet on, so but I for always, sure. I always yeah. put like uh, it's usually if the the father of the bride cries, you move it on. All right. Wow. Because that there, because there. How you, often are they going to cry though? Well, that there's usually one of those big ones because like they're usually second to last minute, or yeah. do they open? I don't. I don't know, but it it like usually tips the scale, so it could be sitting there for a while. And I just. I just, she was just a great like, girl. That's a fucking tear. That's a tear. <laughs> you know? And it does get quite competitive. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, you can't use that money to do anything else other than buy shots. Yeah, I think if you pocket that money, you're the worst person. And no one will allow you. No one would allow you no, to. No, you, you just get so much abuse, it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be worth your time. But have you noticed, if it ever lands on you, so, yeah, essentially, whoever that tray, or whoever that glass full of cash lands on after the speeches buys a round of shots for the tables, but that's you lose, actually cool. you lose money you lose money every time yeah because shots are, if you do a fiver ahead shots are more than a fiver yeah so that's just simple simple and maths. it's the first round of drinks for the table because so you go up you're, you're not even like uh, what's your cheapest shot there yeah. you go up because you have all this cash and yeah. you're like ah you know 16 baby Guinness so it, it, in, the, in reality it might cost you a tenner right because yeah on top yeah, yeah. Or, or, or whatever 20 quid on top so it's not the end of the world but we're actually probably talking about something that, if anyone's listening, might be curious because at Irish weddings, we pay for all of our drinks. Oh, yeah. Bar maybe there's a drink at reception and then a drink for the toast. If I ever hear about somebody from an Irish point of view doing an open bar, like, you're mental. Like, the I'll am- be your plus one to that. The amount of money that would cost you. And, like, it is a very common thing abroad and yeah. very common in the States. And I've talked to people before who are, you know, married to... Uh, people from different countries and different mm. cultures and they're like oh well we have to do an open bar and it's like you don't because people will take the absolute piss yeah i remember the only time i was ever at a uh, an open bar was um a friend's uh, it was his 21st actually right so his dad was like for the next uh, two hours it's an open bar fellow went up and ordered eight jager bombs and turned around and he goes do you want anything and I'm like <laughs> that, that is not even a that sounds like a joke that is not a joke story like you know um and so I think Irish people will, if they are allowed to, mm. will take the absolute piss. Even when we're not. But yes, specifically when we're allowed to. I've been to quite a few open bar weddings. Uh, only one of them was in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, that was my sister's wedding. Class wedding, open bar. Cousins went rogue. Open bar got shut. It was, it was funny, though. I am uh, shocked. They were that table as yeah. well. And part of me was like, oh, I should have that table. Um, <laughs> And then most of the other open bars, uh, the last three weddings I've been to have been open bars. Um, all usually <laughs> respectfully... Um, treated. Treated, yeah. Bar you. Ah, the last one, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, right, so that's the open bar, that's the... And if you're making a speech, right, so sometimes the speeches are done... I think, personally, I think speeches should probably be done uh, before dinner mm. because a lot of people... This might surprise you. Don't like standing up in front of a crowd and making speeches. And what? Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so they're quite nervous, and they, it's difficult for them, I suppose, to enjoy the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Especially when you see the best man writing his journey, like the first course, and you're like, lad, you had, they, they've been getting married for four years. And I mean, speech etiquette, right? So for me, giving a speech of eight minutes, that's, yeah, that's, that's your maximum time. amount of time. Because if you set it, like... Everybody else also has to make a speech. And also should probably mention the bride. Always. Because I have been to weddings where the bride hasn't even been mentioned in the speech. And it's not about, again. It's not about you. It's not about you. And this is very difficult for us to say. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's not about you. You, sh- you shouldn't, if you're the best man, for example, you shouldn't mm-hmm. get up and just talk about, oh, I tell you, we went on these nights out and we, oh, we had some crack. It's, it's about those two. And do you remember that night? And oh, geez. Oh, sure. I can't tell you that story. I was like, why do you even bring it up, yeah. Sean? Yeah, just don't. Just don't do it. Don't, don't have all the in jokes. Have a couple of jokes. Yeah. Make a bit of fun of them. Say how lovely she looks. Say, isn't it, isn't it a great day? You know, don't make a show of anyone. No, no. don't. And like you said, wow. a lot of people who give the speeches aren't treating public speaking or don't enjoy public speaking. So don't go on like you are. Yeah. Don't talk for 15, 20 minutes on something that you don't like and aren't good at. Eight minutes. And like you hear every now and again, people are like, oh, I've capped at it, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. It was like, so long. Dad should have been capped at four. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's like I think eight minutes is a great time. It's enough for people to just you know get their points across, do their thing, done. Yeah, move on. So, and the main thing is, if you're giving a speech and you're nervous, try not to drink too oh, much. Oh yeah, don't drink. Don't drink. And this is also another one. Yeah, probably for me, like one pint. Oh yeah, like you can have a couple of drinks, couple of pints. but don't be like shots of oh, tequila. I might do that at your win. Um, <laughs> you won't be invited. Oh, probably not, actually. Um, uh, I definitely had a point there, and it's just slipped my mind. doesn't matter. probably wasn't important. Nah, oh, probably sorry. Right. This is it. It's rich coming for me. Don't swear when you're giving a speech at a wedding. Ever. Y- yeah, okay. I, I can, yeah. I mean, I, I remember I remember, I was doing a, a tasting when I, and my, my dad came to the tasting. He's like, oh, yeah, you're very good. Do you always curse that much? No. He's like, <laughs> I was at that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were, at we were having yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, right, so meal, we kind of, you don't, I don't really judge wedding food too much. It's, it's either, it's, it's usually all standard. You pays your money, you take your chances. Exactly, you know? yeah. All good fare. And again, it's not for us. It's not about us. And so, final part then, uh, final couple of parts of the night, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we move on to the, the music, right? So the music is obviously a very important part of the, yeah. the whole experience. So, so usually a live band. Yeah, straight away. Um, after the live band, you have a DJ. Mm-hmm. And so I think the DJ, there's a few stalwarts. Actually, the live band uh, will probably do Rock the Boat. Yeah, we love Rock the Boat, don't we? Everyone getting down. On the uh, floor, in their good suits, onto the dance floor that everybody's been walking Hiking up the skirts so you can, like, Get rock your legs around everyone, and everyone's just doing rock the boat. It's brilliant. It's, it's, I think it's very Irish. I, I, I remember being at a wedding before. I was an Irish wedding, and one of the foreign cousins was like, what is this? What is actually going on yeah. here? Um, so, yeah. So, that is an important part of the evening. And then the the DJ set. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a few stalwarts. You've Maniac 2000 by Mark McKay. I feel like that is uh, now becoming the song of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it definitely is. Like, okay, coming up next, uh, I can see a few of them on the dance floor tonight. We're going for uh, Maniac. Yeah. Maniac 2000. All right, let's see you go. Um, that, one's, that one's a given. Yeah. I mean, for me, anyway, Wexford Weddings, they will play Dancing at the Crossroads, and that is just how it goes. Right? Yeah. You're not familiar with Dancing at the Crossroads? No, um, I'm not. Go on. Right. Well, I'm not going to sing it for you. Because no one knows it, apparently. I don't know what it is. Um, what other ones? Um, oh, he, oh, Van Morrison, Brown Eyed Girl yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. Bit of Westlife. Yeah. Bit of Westlife, you know. All the class. ABBA, obviously. Oh, yeah, Dancing Queen. Dance Queen's yeah. always getting paid. Sweet Caroline. Who sings that? Uh, Neil Diamond. Aye. Right, so that finishes up, and you move on to the residence bar. Yeah, which is, some people would say, is the best part of the wedding, is the afters at the residence. And the trad session. Yeah, and that there's, and that there's where those pints before the wedding will catch up or not at that point. Yeah, and so somebody usually stands up, and that's when the rebel tunes start. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will tend to go on into the early hours. Yeah, what do you sing? Do you have a song? Uh, I, I, can, I can't sing. Surprisingly. No, but you're an entertainer. Uh, I usually do Johnny Cash because you kind of just go down somewhere down here and you can kind of get away with it. Like, like elbow up against the fireplace. I hear the train of coming. You know, that kind of that yeah. vibe. I love it. And it's terrible, but, you know, it, it gets me out of a hole. Yeah. What about you? Uh, big strong man. Oh, yeah. Lives in a caravan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've sang that a few times together, actually. Not very well, though. No, but, but that there's the whole point of, I think at that stage, the sing song, it's more just entertainment. It's not so much... Oh, you missed that verse. It was like, nobody cares. No one cares. And so, up to bed. Go to bed. Go to don't, bed. don't do the whole, like, well, might as well keep going. Because like, no one actually, it's yeah. too long of a day. Because every wedding has a day too now. Yeah, they do. But, like, you wake up the next day and you go down to breakfast. And always, I always think one of the, like, absolute champs is the bride the next day. Because, like, the bride and groom for their wedding day are pushed and pulled everywhere. Photos everywhere. Making sure everything's right. All that, and then the next morning, they're the, usually the first people up at breakfast yeah. again, shaking hands, thanking people for coming. When essentially we should be thanking them, yeah, you know. And that's when arguably the best part of a wedding or an Irish wedding happens, which is day two. But I feel like you're right, but I feel like it's probably a topic for another day. I mean, it's a very, very large topic, to yeah. Actually, if I think of day twos, I'm like, oh, where do we start? Yeah, but uh, uh we could start with uh. Fueling up on some snacks. Yeah, well, I suppose in the drive home, fuel up in the rock shandy, a couple of bars of chocolate crisps, all the snacks. And would you believe 
I have some for you here today. What? The snack I have for you today. Mm-hmm. Producer Agustina, if you would. Well done. Amazing. Very so, classic. Dairy milk. Uh, the classic dairy milk. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the standard chocolate one. None of your fruit and nut nonsense. None of your golden crunch. None of, it, none of any of that kind of crack. All right? So this, for me, is the bar snack I used to eat before I was allowed to drink in pubs. Okay. Because, you know, you go down with your parents. Uh, down to the pub, and ostensibly, my parents used to be going to a jazz session. Very good. So my uncle used to own a pub down the road. And this bar just reminds me of that. So you had the, the purple wrapper, the golden foil on oh, the inside. Yeah. Uh, I was given a bottle of Coke, maybe a packet of crisps as well, but it was this one was the, the kind of main one, right? So Nice. It's interesting, because I, I remember dairy milk and like a glass bottle of Lucas, but it was always like in the lobby of a hotel. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. go on, sit over there. And I mean, so it's around since 1905. Wow, yeah. it's been a while. So it's been a while. So theoretically, in here in the Duke of York, when it was called the Duke of York, people were eating uh, dairy milks. Very, very, very possible. And there's a glass and a half in every in every bar. Is that still a thing? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, there's a glass and a half in every pound of chocolate. And how do you not cut yourself? Hey, So, yeah. Absolute classic of the genre, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mm. think it's delicious. Mm. You know what? Although, would you essentially want to... How we talk about these as pub snacks, because we have had a chocolate pub snack before, do you enjoy this with alcohol, with beer, with, with a cocktail, etc.? Yeah, and I think that was the reason we marked down the, the snack bar. Mm-hmm was because it didn't it didn't quite cut the mustard when it came to drinking it with pints. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think the brand is iconic as well. You know, you have that Phil Collins pop, 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 you know, the gorilla on the on the drums. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, enhances the brand for me. But where does it fit in that mix pyramid of snacks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so that's the real question. Yeah, at the top of the pyramid uh, right now is uh flame grilled with the flame grilled McCoys. McCoys. Uh, at the bottom bottom is your homemade pickled eggs. Yeah, I mean we probably could have predicted that. Yeah. Um bacon fries did not do too well. Yeah, well, especially not with our Argentinian producer. Yeah. Uh, the question is is this for me, right? The question is is this better or worse? than the snack bar mm-hmm. you know that's the real question uh, yeah and for me i think there's a nostalgia element to this yeah. that's really nice i probably yeah i'm probably not going to pick it over crisps i would say no yeah i agree and it's probably going to be expensive as well like it's a good bar it's, well, it's a good, good bar, yeah. i don't know i think these cost me five pounds i mean nice. with the way inflation is going now could be a bit more expensive but mm-hmm. In makes pyramid of snacks, um, I think I'd put this probably ahead of the snack bar, mm. but still behind the crisps. Fair, like on the second rung. Yeah, on it? that second rung. Cool. I think the the decision we're kind of going at the moment, or the way we le- seem to be leaning, is crisps are probably a better pub snack. Savory is definitely a better yeah. pub snack, and pickle legs probably not. Probably well, not your well. Cow's eggs, cow's which eggs, is what you egg. call them. Yeah, homemade pickled eggs. What's wrong with them? So a lot in mix pyramid of snacks. Where we're gonna put them is yeah on that that second tier, but I would say behind maybe uh, behind the bacon fries. Slightly. Okay, yeah. fair. So yeah, very good. Well, I'm looking forward to what we're gonna try uh, the next day. Who knows? It could be anything. We we've obviously uh, you know we've been doing this podcast for a little while now, and one of the most popular sections we have was. Uh, Cocktails with Collins. So, Ro, Colin, once again, on your expertise in the field of cocktails, mm-hmm. we're going to go with another classic, okay? Um, with Cocktails with Collins. Yeah, Cocktails with Collins. Yeah, I like it. Um, so, we're going to go with another classic. We're going to go with the old-fashioned. Yeah. Arguably the most classic of classics. Arguably the original cocktail. Okay. Do, so, do tell. Um, well, when the definition of the term cocktail was written down, it was 1806 in the Hudson newspaper. And it said it was spirit, uh, bitters, water, and sugar. And that was like kind of the definition of a cocktail as it was sweeping America. Um, 
Which is pretty much an old-fashioned. Yeah, uh, pretty much an old-fashioned. And I guess that cocktail culture, once again, coming straight out of the States. Oh, 100%. Very much at the forefront of these kind of things. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would say cocktails are American. Like, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. But, oh, no, cocktails are... You could even look at being like New Orleans as the epicenter for cocktails. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the old-fashioned, um, as I'm sure you can imagine, wasn't always called the old-fashioned. Uh, it's kind of changed names throughout history. Um but it was like a whiskey cocktail, the improved whiskey cocktail. Some people once would have called it the fancy whiskey cocktail, which just would have changed the glass and maybe it was a lemon garnish. Okay. And then an orange garnish came in, but the improved whiskey cocktail is kind of where it came about. And then over time, it was made in a certain way. So it was stirred down over ice, poured over ice, um, then with some form of a garnish. And that was seen as a more old like or a traditional way because at one point this was a modern drink and then it kind of flipped to being you know the old fashioned the old yeah style of drinking so um so that's roughly where it came no one really knows exactly when the shift came but you can see in cocktail books uh, harry johnson and stuff when stuff started to change and um, so one of the most interesting things you've said to me before was about the kind of ice in the 1800s no oh, yeah because i think that's part of the reason the old-fashioned becomes a thing or that that ice is available yeah well even in cocktails if you look at like prohibition cocktails you typically don't have a lot of ice in them uh, they're either shaken served without ice and even like sazeracs etc no ice um and uh one of the one of the bless you um and one of the things is yeah so it's actually um an american lad uh from boston uh called frederick tudor and he like invented commercial ice. Essentially, cut out uh, uh, Massachusetts lake water. Okay. Like in like 10, 13 ton blocks and sent it around the world where it needed to go. So ice was a commodity, like a very, very high end one. So to use it, obviously would have cost a lot. So again, one of the things people enjoyed the last time was um, a little bit of role play. <laughs> So again, let's 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 run through it as if we were kind of ordering at a bar, I guess. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> why isn't your hand going behind your back? Oh, I sorry. This was supposed to be service. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, well, how are you today? Yeah, I'm all right. Drink, um, yeah. old fashioned. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, any particular style of whiskey? Like I don't know what is there a price difference? Um, for you, no. Okay. So, uh, so essentially, I would look at. Uh, Sometimes people have a preference like bourbon. Some people go rye. Um, in Minnesota, they go brandy. Right. Brandy and heavy Angostura. Um, that's like a Minnesotan old-fashioned. Okay. Um, in Ireland, a lot of places are making it with Irish whiskey as well, but I would say traditionally it's like bourbon. Okay, super. Um, so yeah. I'll have a Irish whiskey. Amazing. Oh, crap. <laughs> I thought you were actually just going to... Be amicable there, no? No, no, I'll, so, I'll have bourbon, I'll have bourbon. Go um, ahead. But if you are choosing an Irish whiskey, you want one with like a heavy bourbon cask influence, like big char and stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, so... And, um, that, and sorry, that's why the it works for bourbon, because it's they're kind of it's a heavily charred cask. Heavily charred. Uh, bourbon's obviously a minimum of 51% corn in the mash bill, so it's already got that sweetness, it's robust, uh, it's got all that vanilla coming through. Um, and essentially, some people would say that some of the history of the old-fashioned... Is you're drinking a watered down sweeter whiskey. Okay. Um, I think there's a story that it was like uh, in the American Civil War, like soldiers on the front line would be like swigging moonshine or young whiskey or fire water and all these things. But the generals, when they were coming down, obviously came from a silver spoon background and they wanted to almost like drink with the soldiers. So they would dilute their whiskey down with water and sugar to make it more palatable for them. And it looked the same, but it was easier to drink. Again, that's just a story. Um, but yeah, so um, gone are the days that you have to wait like classically nine minutes for an old fashioned where you muddle, you muddle the sugar and you put the Angostura and then you put the water and stuff. Um, and how I would make it would be 50 to 60 mils of your whiskey. Kind of depends on the ABV and its flavor profile. Yeah, for um, sure. But classically 50 to 60. Um, five mils of two to one sugar syrup. Which is, what's two, what does the two to one imply? Oh, yeah. uh, so two parts... I use white caster sugar, so mm -hmm. two parts white caster sugar to one part water, okay. and you just mix that until it's dissolved. Easy. Uh, some people will use brown sugar, demerara sugar, 
people use all types of sugar these days, which is absolutely fine. I think as long as it fits the flavor profile of the whiskey and kind of what your objective for, uh, for the guest is. Um, the reason I use two to one is because there's less water in it. So you're actually controlling dilution, but controlling sh- uh, flavor and dilution in one go. Okay. I think it's just as long as you, you kind of look at it that way. Uh, because sometimes when you pour it over ice, it gets instantly diluted, so there's no need. Uh, I use uh, a dash or two of Angostura bitters and then orange bitters as okay. well. Uh, it's pretty classic orange zest over ice. Um, I think it would be seen as a pretty classic standard classic. Yeah. And then the alternatives for a garnish, like a, a lot of people like a cherry. <laughs> Yeah, well... A lot of people like a fruit salad. Yeah, well, the fruit salad is always the interesting one because that was kind of the States and, like, in kind of the Midwest. Uh, apparently, you can still get them there. I've never had it, but they have, like, lemonades, muddled oranges and cherries in there as well. I have had one in New York where it was the orange and the cherry were muddled at the bottom, then it was soda water, then it was whiskey and ice. Um, again, the water makes sense because you may not have had dilution from ice once upon a time, but these days, that fruit salad sort of thing is, you tend not to get that. I think there is the uh, quite well-known video on uh, YouTube that you can look up of uh, a girl doing it, basically pouring about a half a bottle of bourbon into a pint glass and muddling yeah. down some cherries, which is, uh, if you haven't seen that one, go give that a Google. Yeah, that's it's well worth watching. It's almost like if I was to make an old-fashioned as a student, that's how I would have made it. Um, but yeah, it's a, like a beautiful finesse drink and like, even in the past 10, 12 years, like it wasn't about, well, we didn't drink it 10 to 12 years ago. Now it's pretty much ordered in most bars. Where does that Where does that come from? Where was that? Uh, New York. Okay. Like absolutely, like led the as new was, cocktail renaissance. Yeah, well it was, yeah. Um, employees only were kind of a big push on that one. They pushed classics uh, and they considered the old fashioned to be one of the most beautiful drinks ever made. And it really is, like it lets the spirit do the talking, but when it's well balanced, it's brilliant. And then um, there was another bar in New York called PDT, or Please Don't Tell. Really cool speakeasy, still going today. Uh, you have to go through uh, a hot dog vendor and then through a phone box, and it's there. I think that's how they got through licensing laws. Very good. Uh, by linking them together, which is brilliant. Um, and they did a Benton's Old Fashioned, which okay. kind of like is today. We, it's you know they were so ahead of their time, but they essentially used bacon fat. They it was called fat washing. They they essentially. Um, liquefied the bacon fat put it in with the bourbon and shook it all up freeze it all the all the fat goes to the top you strip that off but the flavor of the bacon is left in the bourbon and they use that so drinking it's like this beautiful rich bacony old-fashioned tastes like breakfast it does yeah yeah and like stuff like that you see everywhere these days but and, and can you use can you use any kind of dark spirit can you use any spirit I think, like, I mean, you mentioned brandy there. Yeah, I think these days you can. Okay. Like, uh, you've got the Oaxacan Old Fashioned. Which is a fun word to say, not a fun one to spell. No, or you, when you if, see if it. You do, if you don't know how that's written, what yeah. is it? O-A-X-A-O-A-X-A-C-O-N? O-A-X-A-C-O-N. <laughs> yeah, which is in Mexico. Mexico, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you've got the Oaxacan uh, Old Fashioned. You've got the rum Old Fashioned, smoked Old Fashioned. All these ones. So, essentially, now the Old Fashioned as a term is now jumping just over whiskey so it could be with any spirit but i think if you're doing that which is absolutely fine because it allows the spirit to do loads of the talking and it's more approachable for a lot of people but i think you shouldn't necessarily have the same specs of like sugar and bitters for each of those spirits because they all taste different they all do yeah Yeah. you know um maybe angostura and like potching like a potching old-fashioned wouldn't go well together i'm not saying it would it would be terrible but you know, highlight the grassiness or the earthiness of the potching through maybe other bitters or maybe you use brown sugar for that one, okay. you know. Yeah, so that that rail of bitters that you see in bars yeah. sometimes come in u- useful. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think overall, the classic, most classic style is just bourbon, big rock, and an orange. Maybe even a cherry garnish on top is allowed. A kind of Mad Men Don smashed Draper. it. Don Draper smashed it, made it popular. TV has a huge impact on making cocktails popular, and that is pretty much one for one on why the old fashioned is so widely and commercially available. Well, there you go. Well, I think that's uh, that's very useful. That's mm. very helpful for everybody watching in, um, and that probably brings us towards the end of episode five. Yeah. Of poor decisions. Well done. Well done. We've uh, we've kept going. Uh, so. Episode 5 finished up. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, 
hit that subscribe button, mm -hmm. do all the things, tell all your friends, tell your ex, you know, tell everybody. Um, what we really would like you to do, send it to your ex. Show us the messages. We genuinely mean this. And yeah, if you have any like feedback or any bars or snacks we should review, like put all that in. It's all good information. We Just love it. Drop us a DM. Yeah. But uh, yeah. slide into Ronan's. <laughs> Why not? Um, but yeah, Duke of York, Belfast, you've been wonderful. Shane, Slanja. Cheers. Ooh.